0: Well, we find ourselves in Genesis chapter 6, and we're going to look at the first nine verses. In particular, the question often comes up, who are these sons of God, these giants, the Hebrew word Nephilim? And uh, we're going to look at that. But first, in verse 1 of Genesis 6, we just got through with the genealogy. I should talk about that, chapter 4 and chapter 5. Did have a question again come up. There's a Chapter four and chapter five have a lot of similar names. Chapter four is the lineage of Cain that God rejected. Then in chapter five, through Adam, started a new line that we go to the Messiah, Seth, and he is the righteous seed, replacing Abel. It tells us. But when you look at those names, you you've got several names that are the same. You got each of them have a Lamech, and each of them have something that looks like Methuselah, only in chapter 5 is Methuselah. The other long M name, if you don't look at it closely, you'll see it's not Methuselah. It's Methuselah or something, but not Methuselah. And then you've got, both of them have Enoch's. You know, we talked last week about Enoch walked with God and was not. Well, in chapter 4, there's a wicked Enoch. And so some people get a little confused because they, they think they're looking at chapter five when they're looking at chapter four and they're hey what about this and it's like no 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 no, you're mixing them up don't do that so now we're up to date through the record of adam and we found ourselves getting all the way to a guy named noah and that's important so um we're going to find out why in these next few chapters. But in chapter 6, verse 1, Now it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, the daughters are born to them. I handed out notes tonight because we do have just a lot of different facts and figures and stuff. And if you just hear me saying it, you may not catch it equally. But when you do the math, you you realize there is a point in time where the population explodes. Um. If you have to start with two people, a man and a wife, Adam and Eve, and let's say they had four kids, and let's say they only lived to be 70 years old, and you use that formula, in the first five generations, you only have 96 people. And after 10 generations, you have 3,070 people. After 20 generations, you have 3,150,000 people, but look what happens after 30 generations explosion to 3 billion people uh, and plus over that. And of course, we're not talking about people living to 70, are we? We saw in the genealogy of chapter 5, if you average take take Enoch out because he was not after 360 years, and you take Methuselah out because he lived an extremely long life, you still end up with an average lifespan of nine hundred and seventeen or 912 years long. So, and so these people weren't just having four kids. I mean, we saw that Noah was 500 years old when he had his three boys. We saw that in the genealogy. So these guys were having lots of kids over hundreds of years. And, of course, people's lifespan. So you have a baby... But 900 years later, they're still around. So you got to realize that this this thing could really, if you really use real numbers, um, as one person who did it had a little bit higher of a number, not much higher, and it went up to 137 billion people. There's all kinds of uh, things, but it was billions, okay? Um, No doubt. And so we see there that it was during a time And why why is this important for us to take note? Because Jesus is going to tell us in Matthew, look at two different time periods. I'm looking back in history. Now, when I would uh, go back to Visalia, where I grew up, by Fresno, Central California, it's a weird experience. I've been there, and the main street is still the same, but I'll stand on a corner And it just floods back. And I'm like five years old, that same corner, holding my grandma's hand, going to the Newberry store. We had a Newberry store. I'd get some marbles. But to go to that same place and stand, it's it's amazing. So God, you know, he, he looks at things and he can say, okay, on that hill, that hill of Jerusalem, this is going to happen, that's going to happen, that's going to happen. He can look at past, present, future, and look at all the various things happens on that hill. Well, now he's, can the same way, he can look at certain kingdoms and say the attitude of that kingdom, the spirit of that kingdom, it's going to be similar to this kingdom. And that's what he does in the book of Daniel. He points out various things about the Babylonian Empire, and then the Medo-Persian Empire, the Greek Empire, the Roman Empire. And then he says, put those together, and this is what you have in the Antichrist. And Revelation picks up with that same thing. Here, Jesus says, this is for you believers before the tribulation starts, which I believe the rapture precedes that tribulation. There's two places that I talk about in Genesis that you can know that your generation will be similar to that. And one is the days of Noah, the other day are the days of Lot in Sodom and Gomorrah. And you can look at not just one society, but worldwide, this spirit taking place. And it it is uh, amazing uh, to this day to see the the homosexual agenda and the transgendered agenda going into very religious places and uh, places you never think would be accepted and being accepted. And uh, it's, it's definitely an unstoppable spirit of the age. Well, the reason I say this, we're going to look at this in a minute, but we are in a time of popular, our generation is a time of population explosion like never before since the flood of Noah. And we're going to look at that in a minute. But Look in verse 2 now. That the sons of God saw the daughters of men, and they were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever. He is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be 120. So the average has been 912. It seems like God is saying, Um, I'm going to limit that. You're going to see in the generations following that, they'll max out around 120. Interesting, this year, I don't know if you saw that on 60 Minutes, they had a, a report, and they said most people alive right now will make it to between 103 and 107. And then they said in probably another generation, about 30 years, uh, men will live probably between 120 and 140 years. And they said the human body is made to last that long. And uh, it's interesting that they use those numbers. Sometimes you wonder if those scientists guys know what's going on in the Bible and they're messing with us. But they're not. They're just ignorant. And we we know the Bible, so we go, yep, that's what God said. And science is, once again, confirming Scripture. In verse 4, so there were giants on the earth in those days. Now, that Hebrew word is Nephilim. And this is the Nephilim is is the question. What is that? What's it mean? Also, afterwards, when the sons of God came to the daughters of men, and they bore these children to them, those were the mighty men of, of old, men of renown. Now, Here in Genesis, we have this term, sons of God, twice. And both times here, you you sort of scratch your head and saying, well, what's that mean? The only other place we find it is in Job. And it's there three times, and in all three times, there is zero question it's meaning angels of God. And we see in the book of Job, where uh, in one place there in chapter 2, when all the sons of God are gathering together for a board meeting, Lucifer comes to that board meeting. He is also considered a son of God still. And and how he makes it to the board meeting, I don't understand that. It doesn't make sense to me, but he, he shows up at this conference uh, once a year. I'm not sure where it is, but... Um, so clearly, it's talking about angels. We'll look at that, Job 1, 6. Now, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. Chapter 1, verse 6 of Job 2, 1. Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them or presented himself before them. In Job 38, 6 and 7, to what were its foundations fastened, and who laid its cornerstones. So he's going to ask Job, were you there when the foundations of the earth were laid? When the morning stars sang together, I think that's also a term for angels, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. So we learn here, angels were before the creation of the heavens and the earth of Genesis 1. Ezekiel thirty two twenty seven again it refers to this uh, these mighty men these Nephilim uh, they were uncircumcised they're gone down to hell and their weapons of war went with them and and so forth but then there's some very clear passages in my mind that that give us a commentary clearing up Genesis 6 and Jude 6 and 7 and the angels who did not keep their proper domain But left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day, as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, in a similar manner to these. Interesting. Having given themselves over to sexual morality, gone after strange flesh, and set forth an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. So, this right here, this verse really clears it up that it has to be referring to angels having sex with women I don't think they were the women of Seth they had to be pretty ungodly women to have sex with these demons these fallen angels but he pretty much clears it up there because he says these angels they didn't keep their proper domain and so God says you no longer can roam on the earth you no longer have freedom he locks them up and they stay locked up until the day of judgment and he says a similar thing happened in Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, let me ask you, when the two angels came to get Lot, what did the men of the city think they were? They thought they were just two young men that they hadn't had sex with yet. Do you remember that? As a matter of fact, when you go through the Bible, every time you see an angel, he looks like a young man. Um, and in Mark uh, 16, they they looked in and they thought it was a young man turned out to be an angel. In uh, Hebrews 13, 2, he says, hey, you, you can be talking to somebody. It looks just like another human being to you doesn't dawn on you at all that they're actually angels. And so you need to be spiritually aware that angels are around us sometimes. And we just think they're another human being, but they're not. They're actually an angel. So it does appear, whatever these angels are at times, at least to us, they can appear exactly like a human. Now, does that mean they have human characteristics with sexual organs? I don't know. The Bible doesn't say. Well, some say, no, I don't think so, because Jesus said that we will all, when we go to heaven, will be like the angels, all of us unmarried when we get to heaven. And of course, how can you have heaven with marriage, right? There, it's oxymoron. No, I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) Poor wives. We're in heaven. Hey, we're still married. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, God wouldn't do that to the women. That's what it's all about. Or, Or did these angels possess somebody and then somehow affect physically The reproduction, having, uh, you know, through possessing a man, having sex and and creating this monster, this giant warrior, obviously an evil, wicked person. It's just one of those mysterious things, you know. There's just certain things in the history of mankind that have happened that are very unique and very strange. You know, Joshua stopped the sun to stand still. Um, Jesus born as a virgin, you know, from a virgin, you know. It's just, it's just one of a time, a very unique thing. And you really go, well, how was Jesus born a virgin? How did, who was the, who produced the seed for Mary to, you know, we don't know. And I don't think we're supposed to do that. The Mormons, they say, oh yeah, Elohim came down, and had sex with Mary. They, they teach it, no problem. Um, well, she was a virgin when she gave birth, so it can't happen that way. But either way, it just says in Luke that the Holy Spirit came up, will come upon you and overshadow you, and you'll be pregnant. That's it. She goes, okay, that's enough. I get it. I the, the, What I get is that I can't know. <laughs> I don't understand it. So God's God. He can do anything, right? So it's, it's not hard for God. But in either way, these demons, with these wicked people living for hundreds of years, were able to produce a society where these fallen angels changed the human species to a weird species that would have to be destroyed. Interesting, Dave Guzik in his commentary says that he thinks, it appears that Satan tried to pollute the genetic pool of mankind with a satanic corruption to put a genetic virus... To make the human race unfit to bring forth the seed of a woman, the Messiah, promised in Genesis 3.15. Which makes sense, right? I'll just make it so that prophecy of Genesis 3.15 can can't happen by polluting uh, the gene pool. So it, it is crazy. Now, again, I would like to say that as the days of Noah were, so will be the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Years ago, Walter Martin, are you guys familiar with him? He used to be like the only apologist around. <laughs> I mean, there was really no Christian apologist in existence until him. He was the first. He he was the, the trailblazer. And then after that, but he had a, a radio, goes on now. Hank Canegraaff does, uh, you know, to ever met, I don't know what it was called. A Bible Answer Man, still going on. But he had some... Interesting ideas, very sound doctrinally, but he had some interesting ideas. And the one thing he believed, and of course he could get information on things that most people couldn't. Very unique guy. But he fully believed that the Antichrist would come in a spaceship as an alien. And it would be the thing that just blows... Christians away and it would also cause everybody to accept and the idea is look you guys are just a little tiny planet you should just see yourself all together as one big state together you should be you know linked together you should you, 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 when you look at other worlds and stuff out there you guys uh, are unique and and of course um, today you, as you see what's going on uh, it does say in Luke chapter 21, um, it does say very clearly there that one of the signs of the time would be ha- things happening in the skies. Signs in the skies. In uh, verse 35, he, he, he says that there would be great commotion in the skies. And then all through the tribulation period, there's all kinds of stuff happening in the skies. Uh, and, of course, Jesus' return is from the sky on his horse, with all of us on our horses. So the skies really play a big part when we look at the days before of Noah and then in the tribulation period. A lot of angelic stuff going on, demonic stuff. So is it very possible that these things that we're seeing, these crafts that we're seeing, are they just demons impersonating? Uh, Yeah, I, I think that's what it is. I think, again, could they make spaceships that do weird things? Um, yeah, they, they could. They could take things off the earth. So, again, I, I think it'll be unique. It's like nothing's ever happened like this in the history of mankind, nor will it ever happen again. But at this time in the last days, bizarre demonic activity that's very confusing. We can't really understand how this is happening. I mean, that's what was going on, right? Right. These, these women are having these babies and it had something to do with the demonic influence and uh, man we, we we got this child that's evil and huge and and demonic so I, yeah it, it's a real head scratcher it really is Peter goes on to mention a peter chapter 3 verse 19 and 20 by whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison who formerly were disobedient who once the divine long-suffering waits to the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared in which a few that is eight souls were saved through the water so here again he mentions that and then in second peter chapter 2 verse 4 and 5 For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment and did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of the eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bring in the flood on the world of the ungodly. So notice again, in Peter, like Jude, he mentions about these angels being chained up until the day of judgment. And the very next thing, Like the book of Jude, he mentions Noah. So clearly, chronologically, he's thinking about the times of Noah. And both Jude and Peter, they say they were angels. And they went way past the boundary God gave them. And having gone past that boundary, he shut them down to be able to ever be on the earth again. They were permanently locked up until the day God judges all the angels and man and throws them into hell. Um, in Joshua 13.33, now now people are in the Joshua, in Numbers 13.33, 30, they come back from the promised land and they said, hey, we saw the giants, and this is the word they used, Nephilim, the descendants of Anak, that came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, so were we in their sight. So you're saying, well, now, back, now way in the... Uh, Hundreds of years later, we still have Nephilim around. I thought they were all locked up. I don't necessarily believe that they were seeing the actual Nephilim that they saw in Genesis 6. I think they're seeing giants for sure. There's, I mean, archaeological digs, even in the last 10 years, we've unearthed giants basically all over the world, uh, archaeologically. Um, And I saw it on the Internet, so it's true. But but I think they saw, and in their history of Judaism, they know about Genesis 6 because it's so bizarre. How can you forget it? And when they saw these giants, they're like, oh, it's it's like before the days of Noah. Here's some more Nephilim. I don't think they did see Nephilim. I, I think they saw giants, and they called them that, and they were evil. They were... They were blasphemous, as we know. Goliath was blasphemous. But I, I don't believe that that's what they saw. But nevertheless, they used that word. So some think this is not referring to angels at all. They, they take that verse where Jesus in Matthew twenty two thirty 30 said, Hey, in heaven, there's no marriage or given marriage like the angels. Um, again, that doesn't tell us what an angel is, okay? Is angel simply a spirit being without a body? Does it have a body? Does it have sexual organs? Do angels come together and make more angels? No, the Bible says they don't do that. doesn't mean that they can't. It's just they don't. But also the, the, the idea is this term, sons of God, this is how they explain it in a human way. They say that the sons of God are referring to the godly seed of Seth. So Seth's kids are having babies through the ungodly children of the line of Cain. And because Cain's line was cursed, when Seth's people sinned, if you would, the godly line sinned, By having relations with Cain's line, it produced a a child that was a giant. I I just cannot get into that. It just does not fly with me at all. But again, most people who have that view are the same people that don't believe in Genesis 1 as literal translation. They also look at that and say, oh, you know, theistic evolution. And and they try to naturalize everything. Uh, They don't give you a worldwide flood and... The Red Sea, God didn't supernaturally do it. It was an earthquake, and it just happened at that moment, and all of these kind of things. Why do I believe they're fallen angels? One, that I believe this term, Son of God, is clear in the book of Job. It's angels. Angels also appear throughout the Bible as young men, all through Genesis um, and in the New Testament as well. The Ezekiel passage And then in the New Testament, the 1st and 2nd Peter and Jude passage. I think all those together is a really good commentary that helps us understand as unique as it is and as disturbing as it is, it's important that we know that we're going to see this again, not necessarily them having sex with women and creating giants, but we are going to see demons Going past the boundary they should go during our generation, creating weird chaos. And whatever that means, we need to be prepared for a very demonic, uh, infiltrated world. Well, verse 5 now through 7. Well, then the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and every intent of the thoughts of the heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man from whom I've created on the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping things and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. So he's looking And saying man this is just grievous all of mankind it's just they've gone past the point of no return of being um, saved it's just it's the cancer has spread too far the patient is gonna die which is the population of the earth Jesus again tells us in Matthew 24 look if you would from verse 36 all the way to verse 44 But of the day and the hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as the days before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. So the world did not have discernment. They thought... We're not in the last days. These days are wonderful. They were enjoying them. They were feasting. Their heart wasn't grieved. You know, Lot's soul was vexed every day. Noah uh, had to have been also. But the world was just oblivious to how wicked and sinful and that they were on the verge of being judged by God. They did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Then the men will be in the field. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken, and the other left. Watch, therefore, you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed the house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready. For the Son of Man is coming in an hour you do not expect. What do we see in the times of Noah thus far? Sexual perversion demonic activity, a constant evil heart of man, widespread corruption and violence, exploding population. So interesting, from the days of Noah until 1850, it took to get the first billion people. Guys, that's about 4,000 years, okay? From 1850 to 1935, we now get 2 billion people. From 1935 to 1965, 30 years, 3 billion people. From 1965 to 1975, 10 years, we have 4 billion people. From 75 to 85, 10 years, we have 5 billion people. But look down at this one I just pulled up today. This is fresh off the internet, the world's population, and every 10 years' growth. Now, notice 1960, I have that bold and underlined, and we do know why? That was the amazing year that all of history should remember I was born. And <laughs> there were three million people on the planet the year I was born. Now, 40 years later, It's doubled. So literally, in my first 40 years, I've seen a population explosion. Twice as many people on the earth from the day I was born till I turned 40. Well, now, 20 years later, we are in 2020. And I just looked it up today. This, this is actually not accurate. It's 7.9, almost 8 billion people today in 2020. And then they estimate by 2040, when I'm 80 years old, it'll be 9 billion, closer to 10 billion people. But at 9 billion, that's three times. In 80 years, the population went from 3 billion and tripled itself to 9 billion people. I think this will be... Wrong, I think it'll be closer to 10 billion people. But either way, in our lifetime, this is historical facts. Okay, we, we have very clear documented history since 1850 to now. And very clearly, we have gone from 1850, which wasn't very long ago. Okay, that's Civil War time. One billion people to now, today, almost eight billion people wow. I mean, this is just math that should startle you, that should just shock you. Because once you, you get to 8 billion people like we have, it doesn't take another 80 years to get eight another 8 billion people. So if you are born right now, let's say you were born in the year 2000, okay? And now today it's at 8 billion. In 20 years, you've seen a billion years each 10 years that you've lived. It's it's astounding to to understand that we are in the days of Noah. Do we get this? So, um, this is a little better from 1804, it says, another, I think, a more accurate skull it says that we see a first billion people. If you put, if you put into the internet, when, when did the population of the earth get to one billion people? It was 1804. Time you get to 1850, it's a little over a billion, but in 123 years later, it doubled. In 1927, we're at two billion people. It didn't take 123 years to double again. It only took 33 years to double again. 1960, three billion people. So again, these are different ways of of looking at it. So what do we have? We have a generation that is demonic. The demons are out of control. They're getting arrested by God's angels and locked up in their jail permanently. Life sentence. They'll never get out and be on planet Earth ever again. The next time they'll be talking to God, he'll be judging them into eternal hell. They will never put a foot on the ground again. This is the kind of demonic activity, but it's actually God moving the boundaries. He's going to, in essence, de- the devil and all demons are on God's chain. They can't do anything, especially as believers, unless he gives them permission. He's going to loosen the chain. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1 through 3. Look at these next three passages and look at the demonic activity that the Lord warns us about. In 2 Thessalonians 2, 1 through 3, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and the gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. So the demons at Paul's time, these demonic people were writing letters saying Paul wrote it and giving them contradictory information uh, freaking Christians out, saying Paul saying, hey, those aren't letters aren't from me. Or even if a spirit, an angel comes and tells you, hey, this is what Paul taught. <laughs> or here's a new doctrine. Don't believe that spirit. This is the kind of stuff that was going on in Paul's time. But he makes it clear in verse 3. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away, the apostasia, comes first. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. So the church starts believing heresy. And they walk away from true, sound doctrine. Has that happened? (laughs) Back in the early 70s, David Wilkerson wrote a book. And he actually wrote three of them. But the first one, he said... The Lord had showed him that all mainline denominations will accept homosexuality and have homosexual priests and pastors. Well, David and Teen Challenge, which he was over at that time, they lost about 90% of their people supporting their ministry because they thought he had lost his mind. It wasn't even 10 years that that started happening. Pretty interesting stuff. And so I, I think today we, we have to go pretty far and wide. I think in Southern California, uh, praise the Lord, we do have still some really solid Bible teaching churches. But I'll tell you what, you can talk to some of my friends uh, on the East Coast and, and in the Bible Belt, and they cannot find it. They cannot find a solid church where they have the same fellowship that you and I have here. Well, in 1 Timothy 4 now, verse 1 through 3. Now, the Spirit especially says, in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Whoa. Let that sink in a minute. The apostasia, he says, is going to be happening. And part of the apostasia is not just bad doctrine, but they're bad doctrines coming from actual demon spirits and these demonic forces are deceiving. These people that normally wouldn't have been deceived, now, because of the incredible demonic influence, people that never would have been rattled, never would have changed, they are now. Wow, solid people being moved, but it was because of this enormous power of these deceiving spirits These doctrines of demons that move them. He'd give some interesting things I wouldn't have considered. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. Forbidding to marry, interesting. Commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanks by those who believe and know the truth. So uh, a diet on marriage, um, just being giving all kinds of laws that they themselves don't follow. 2 Timothy 3 verse 1 through 5 now But know this, whoa, Paul says, know this, that the last days, perilous times will come. For men, now we're not talking about demons, we're talking about men. Men, I believe, Christians who have been moved into apostasy, these these, uh, apostate Christians, caustic people still being a part of Christianity, but they're no longer walking in sound doctrine. They become lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. So Paul getting this revelation from the Lord, and he's looking at this generation before the rapture of the church, And he is just spewing, just writing as fast as he can, one word after the next by the Holy Spirit, giving this society, very much sounds like a society, before the days of Noah. But where is this society? He tells us it's in the church. Notice in verse 5, having a form of godliness, they're not atheists, but denying its power. There's no reality. Literally, that means there's no reality of God in it, of Christ in it. From such people, turn away. It doesn't say you can convert them. You can get them back. It just says get away from them. Don't let their um, apostic ways affect you. Think about Noah. As we look at verse 8 and 9 and finish here tonight. Now Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. We're going to talk more about that next week. And this is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect, and notice, his generation. (laughs) I don't know if Noah would have looked too holy to us in our generation, but in his generation, when the whole world was corrupt, he looked pretty good. Noah walked with God. Wow. Do you remember Enoch? We saw that in Genesis 5, walked with God, and he was not. Well, in Noah's situation, it's sort of a reverse of that. Noah walked with God and everybody was not (laughs) because he killed them all in the flood. Enoch was not because he went to be with the Lord, but the reverse thing happened. Noah walked with God and God said, I'm going to get everybody away from you, Noah, and kill them in the flood. Oh, it's so simple, isn't it? Christianity. Remember, he says in Second Corinthians, I, "I fear for you that you don't get taken away from the simplicity that's in Christ." Micah six eight says, "What's God shown you, O man, but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God." Interesting in Ezekiel fourteen fourteen, Noah is one of the three greats. Even these three men, Noah. Daniel and Job were in it. They would deliver only themselves by their righteousness, says the Lord God. Wow, Daniel. Tough time, but man, he stood firm, didn't he? I think of Job. (laughs) Anybody want to be Job? Anybody want to go through that, even if you get ten times more? (laughs) Wow. I mean, these guys are... These guys had character that I I can't even imagine. But Noah, Noah, he was 600 years standing firm, not being moved by the apostasy of the world, the wickedness of the world. One man, and he was right. If Noah started Fox News, no one would listen. (laughs) There was one guy who was right, and everybody else on the planet was wrong. And he didn't budge. Can you imagine what kind of peer pressure that is? Can you imagine how strong that spirit to move you? But he walked righteously. God gave grace to him. We're going to look at that. In 2 Peter 2.5, he said he did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people. He had his sons and their wives, a preacher of righteousness, bringing the flood on the world of the ungodly. A preacher of righteousness that never had one convert. Talking about a small church. Noah, and it doesn't appear that his sons and their wives would have showed up either. They got on the ark, but you, you wonder about those guys. But Noah, even though he preached, it appears for sure from 500 to 600 when he built the ark, he was preaching for 100 years, and not one person repented, not one person surrendered, not one person. But he preached and preached for at least a hundred, probably hundreds of years, seeing zero fruit. But like in the book of Ezekiel and Isaiah, God said, hey, they're not going to repent. But it's you are required. The blood's on your hands. If you don't warn them and destruction comes, the guilt's on your hands, Ezekiel, Isaiah. But if if you go tell them destruction is coming if they don't repent and they don't repent and then judgment comes, you're free from the blood of their hands. Same with Noah. He was a preacher of righteousness without any success except before God, being faithful. Look at this final verse in Hebrews 11:7. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of the things yet not seen, moved with godly fear. I love that. Prepared an ark. Didn't build the ark. Seems like something deeply spiritual he was doing. Prepared the ark for the saving of his household, by which he commanded the world, and became heir of righteousness, which is according to, to faith, an air of righteousness by faith. Wow. Moved of God by a godly fear, a, a godly movement, a spirit of, of great sense of, of divine appointment, that his life was at a divine appointment for all of mankind. He lived the life and did a very difficult thing built this gigantic boat that would have been just difficult for anybody to build especially a 500 year old man and in a hundred year span it reminds me of that verse again we've been quoting it a lot lately i just think this is what the spirit of the lord is saying that second Chronicles seven fourteen, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, may not be as wicked as the world, but they're wicked before God, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Let's uh, take these next 15 minutes just to go right into worship and and seeking the Lord and crying out to God and just saying, Lord, is it me? Is it me, Lord? Come on up, Matthias and Cheryl and Let's just let's just ask ourselves that question. Lord, am, do I have a form of godliness without the reality of Christ in me? Lord, is it is it me? Lord, that I love pleasure more than I love you, God. Lord, is it is it me? Lovers of money, proud disobedient to parents? Am I the unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving person? God, search my heart. Be if there, see if there be any wicked way in me, O oh God, and lead me in the way of righteousness.